Welcome to the Spirit Anointing the Word, the podcast of Highland Church, Jamaica, New York, with Pastor Subash Cherian. We're so glad to have you with us today, and we're excited about God's Word because it gives us strength and hope for each and every day. Let's listen as Pastor Subash shares this powerful message. Hallelujah. Blessed is the people. That's what Psalm 89 and verse 15 says. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound, for they shall walk in the ways of God. That is an amazing passage. Welcome, everyone, this morning. And those that are watching from across the world, welcome, and we welcome every one of you. And if you could take this time to share, if you're on Facebook, or just uh, basically invite your friends and loved ones for the service. Uh, Long after it's over, you can still watch it. Precious people of God coming out in person here this morning, on a cold, crispy uh, Christmas day. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for being with us. We have um, a couple of guests here with us, but one of them is here with us. Uh, Pastor Jordan and his precious wife, Renee, from Ghana, and they're here, and God bless you. Go ahead, give the Lord a clap offering. (laughs) Pastor and Mrs. Morris, all the way from Trinidad, we welcome you this morning. God bless you. And Sister Minel, she is, was a little girl when I was pastoring all the way in India several moons ago. She's with her two children. They are from Princeton, but they came uh, from the Arab- Caribbean country. God bless you all. Once again, what a great opportunity. We're talking about the sound of Christmas. I talked about the last week about the sight of Christmas. I'll be talking about the touch of Christmas. I will also be talking about the taste of Christmas and so forth. The five senses that we speak, that we know in, uh, that we are able to perceive and understand, touch, feel, and taste, all of that is so important, particularly during this Christmas time. Remember, in everything that we see, that we hear, that we touch, that we taste, all of this actually is a great reminder. Our mind takes us back, all the way back, the first time we saw, the first time we heard, the first time we tasted. All this is a very important aspect of our life here, and it means so much to us. But I'm going beyond, like I did the last time, beyond what you see in the lights of Christmas, beyond what you hear from the sound of Christmas. And all these senses, I want you to understand, is far bigger and far greater than we're talking about. So while we think about the Lord Jesus beginning with what would, be, uh, con- what would be simply that's concrete and then takes us to abstract when it comes to the living water, what I want to do is take us from what is simply concrete and then move into what would be abstract and something so powerful. I talked about the three types of eyes that basically is also in all the other senses as well. What we see in our flesh and what we see in our soul that actually reminds us the gold and things that we see long before it materializes, but far beyond what we see in the flesh and what we see in the mind is something that is greater than metaphysics. It is a spiritual application of what we see. So the windows of our eyes physically, mentally, and spiritually must be open, but I'm talking about the spiritual eyes. The moment you are born again, there is a sense in which the Spirit comes and revived, you're regenerated, and now you can hear, you can see, you can touch, you can feel, you can taste 
all the things in the spirit, uh, spirit just as much as you do in the mental or particularly in the physical. Today I want to talk about blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. Said the little uh, lamb to the shepherd boy, have you seen what I have seen? Have you known what I have known? And have you heard what I have heard? Hearing beyond our eyes, beyond, uh, beyond our ears is so important. When we talk about the sound of Christmas, we're reminded of the many Christmas carols that we're familiar with, and our minds go all the way back to the time we enjoyed it as little children. We come to remember the loved ones who have gone home to be with the Lord. And many of the scenes that are old times, that good memory. But I want to take the original carols, if you will, but they are what is prophetic utterances. The sound of Christmas, literally more powerful, but what it meant for the time in which they lived. And for the time in which we live, and going down to the corridors of time, far beyond the reaches of what would be until the culmination of ages. I'm taking from the passage, and these are progressive and what would be prophetical, but much more theological words that have such profound meaning. The first that we find is what would be called the Magnificant. That is Mary's song that is found in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 and verse 47. I want you to understand the beautiful way she says, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And then the next verse he says, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And then the next couple of verses not only talks about the day in which we li she lived, but now applicable down through the years, but far reaches in the future as well. The second that we find from the gospel is again in the gospel of Luke. And you can find this, and it is called Benedictus. And that is the words of Zechariah, the, son, the father of uh, John the Baptist. When you read Luke chapter 1, verse 67, uh, 67, going all the way down to verse 71. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, and this is a song in the next verse, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he talks about the horn of salvation that brings salvation to the people, a light to lighten all people. And then what is so beautiful is you have the amazing aspect of the singing, which is angelic. And this is called Gloria in Excelsior. This is found in Luke chapter 2, and reading from verse 28 all the way to verse 32. Look at this beautiful way that the angels say, Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Luke chapter, chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to basically go into verse 13 and verse 14. Let's go there first. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, and this is good, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill. This is beautiful. Gloria in excelsia. And then you come to Nuns Dimittis, the saying of this awesome man called Simeon, as he takes 
the little child Jesus in his hand. And when you go now back to Luke chapter 2 and verse 28 to 32, this is what he said. He took him up in his arm and said, Lord, now let us, thou thy servant, depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. What a powerful song. What powerful prophetic meaning, not only in the time in which they lived, but it relates to us in our time, 2022, at the close of that year, and again, the beginning of 2023. But they have such profound implication and what would be down through the corridors of time, and they will play out towards the end of the ages as well. These are Christmas carols from the Bible, but they become more meaningful when you remind yourself the sound of Christmas. It has meaning then, it has meaning now, and it has meaning in the time to come. What an amazing aspect when you think about the sound and when you listen to the sound. And simply, it is like that song. Have you heard what I have heard? Let's look beyond that we did the last Sunday. But let's hear from beyond our years. It is very important. You know how important it is, even as you hear with the natural, in the physical, in the flesh, there is something that even as you're seated here, maybe you're thinking about, oh, in the mental, uh, I can almost hear the sound of all that cooking taking place. Did I cut the stove off? While you're listening to me, you are also hearing the sound of many things uh, in your mind. But we want to go beyond and look into the Spirit. I want you to realize something most profound is the words that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke after every parable. And this is a very familiar word that comes with such powerful, tremendous meaning. And the word is, he that adheres to hear, let him hear. You know, for those who have read Shakespearean play, remember the words of Anthony, when he said, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Of course, you're not lending him for $2. What simply is a colloquial term to say, just listen to me, I want your ears. But when Jesus, our Lord, is saying, he that has ears to hear, let him hear, he's talking about your ears all right. He's talking about what he just spoke and the application of this parable going into your head and to understand it in your own soul. But it goes beyond into your heart and the spirit, and it must be sounding and resounding in your spirit ears. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. We all have ears, and yet we need to listen to the sound beyond what others and everyone listen to. Because there are many ears but few are able to take it mentally and to think about it and grasp and mull over it and then to go beyond that to a spiritual eureka, seller, think about it. So you find in Matthew chapter 11, verse 15, he that has years to hear, let him hear. Matthew chapter 13, verse 9, he that has years to hear, let him hear it. And in chapter 13 and verse 40 
3. Listen to what it says here. Then the righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. And having said this parable, he says, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. In Mark chapter 4, verse 9, after the parable, he's talking about he, had, he that has ears, let him hear. And in the same chapter 4 and verse 23, he's again speaking the word, if any man have ears, let him hear, let him hear. So important it is that when you turn to Mark chapter 7 and verse 16, again the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking, if any man have ears, let him hear. Luke chapter 8 verse 8 again. In fact, he's just talking about the good ground, the seed, and then towards the end, after speaking about the sower, about the seed, about the good ground, he says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Now he's giving a parable in Luke chapter 14, and he's talking particularly about the salt. And now when you come to chapter 14 of Luke and verse 35, Listen to what our Lord Jesus Christ said. It is neither fit for the land, nor for the dungeon, but men cast it to the ground. Now he says, if you have years to hear, you need to hear what I'm saying. These are profound words that is repeated again and again. Just like when he says verily, important. And when he says verily, verily, important, important. So, it is very powerful when he repeats these words, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. Let him hear in the Spirit. So profound these are that when our Lord Jesus Christ was speaking to the seven churches, to each one of the church he gave them compliments and correction and to one or two he gave them warning. But the end of each one, whether it be to the church in Ephesus, or Thyatira, or Sardis, or Smyrna, or Philadelphia, or even Laodicean church, he had these very profound words. But in this is added one statement that is going to be very powerful that I would like to do next Sunday, God willing. In this is repeated to these churches. So when you go into Revelation chapter 2, listen to what he says in verse 7. He's giving this teachings to the church. He says, He that has heard, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Next Sunday I will talk about what the Spirit is saying today and how he never contradicts the word, but he brings and reinforces the word in the present situation. And the application for us to the predicament and whatever we face in this today's world. When you turn to chapter 2 of the book of Revelation and go down to verse 11, again he's telling us, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches that overcome shall not be heard in the second death. Now, when you turn to chapter 2 and verse 17 to another church, the third church, he's saying, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, when you come to chapter 2 and verse 29, listen to what he says. 
He that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. That is church number four. When you come to chapter three, very remarkable, he's speaking to this church in verse, uh, I believe it's verse uh, six. And listen to what he says in chapter three and verse six. He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. Slipping down to the next verse, verse 13 of chapter 3, he's now speaking to the church in Philadelphia. Let him hear that what the Spirit saith unto the church. And then finally, we come to this passage, what he speaks in verse 22 to the last of the church, the Laodicean church. He that hears, hears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We will hear what the Spirit is saying in these last days. Reiterating the word, bringing the word, and telling us how important the word is. I will go next Sunday, God willing, into what the Spirit of God speaks. He reiterates the word. He tells us the words of Jesus. So when the Lord Jesus Christ left, and when you think in terms of resurrection, and then after that, literally he was caught up and his ascension, he never left us alone. He said, exactly like me, you will have someone that will come to you. So we don't need to go through these uh, passages, but uh, you can see that in John chapter 16, verse 13, he will remind you, he will speak of the things, he will guide you, talking about the Holy Spirit. And then again in Romans chapter 8 and verse uh, 16, he talks about the Holy Spirit coming in and addressing us and how we are tied up with him. You're going to find in the coming days, we'll read about how in the book of Acts that Philip heard the Spirit go and catch up to this man in the chariot. Or to even this crusted old man who is so hooked up with his own culture that he couldn't think about the Gentiles. And in chapter 10, the Spirit of God says, go, no asking questions. And what is so remarkable is how even when Paul and his party were going into Bethania in chapter 16, verse 7, the Holy Spirit said, no, he forbid them. The Holy Spirit still speaks to us. And when we think about Jesus, our Lord, he saved us from sin. He's saving us from situation. He's saving us from predicament even today. And he speaks to us. But what is important is other name that they gave, that was given to him, was Emmanuel, God with us, and God in us, the hope of glory. And we need to communicate with him through the Spirit. Many are so conscious of demonic attack and demonic presence in the world. That is true. But remember, he's, the Lord is just a sigh away. He is even closer than you can think. Speak to him. Relate to him. Let him speak to you. This morning I want to talk about an importance of hearing from this awesome, marvelous Master, Savior, and Lord. Yahweh sent the greatest gift. He loved the world that he gave us his only begotten Son. And I cannot tell you how important it is, the greatest of all the gifts to a planet in rebellion. And we need to accept him, we need to receive him, and we need to make him Lord of our life. That is what Yahweh says, hear ye him, this is my son, my beloved son. So I want you to turn with me to John chapter 10 and verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, 
and they follow me. Not simply hear, but obey. And when they hear, they obey. Verse 4 says, other shepherds know, but they hear and follow my voice. It's important we understand that we need to be in tuned and walk and talk and be able to fellowship with him. And it's important we understand the sound not only of Christmas, the sound of Christ must be in our hearts every day. I want you to realize an importance that when you are listening to his voice, it is the Holy Spirit that speaks, but he will never contradict the word. Many times people tend to speak and say, this is what God says. Be careful. If it contradicts the word of God, it is not the word of God. No matter how alluring and pleasant and marvelous it is. Eve, she's super intelligent and yet got deceived by someone who had an alluring voice and literally stole the very destiny that God intended for them, but for God's grace would have been lost. Thank God for Operation Rescue. Um, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the first proto-evangelism, the messianic promise that the seed of the woman. But I want you to realize, when you turn to Psalm 138 and verse 2, towards the end, it tells us, that God has placed a great value on his word. In fact, you have magnified your word about your name. Many people who speak and talk about things, they don't know the word. But we need to realize if we have to listen to God's word, the litmus test is the word of God. It will not and does not violate the word of God. So one of the things that you're going to find at a state through all these years of the days of the prophets. This is so important. A very familiar refrain that you find in the prophets of the old was this word. You can find that in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 3, almost in Isaiah chapter 1, Jeremiah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came unto Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came unto Isaiah. The word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. These is so profound. There's something you need to understand about the prophets of old, like the apostles of the New Testament. You don't find them falling apart or renegades or recanting or rejecting the faith. What is it that kept them so strong? There were kings, whether of Judah or Israel. There were leaders like Gideon and so many others. But what is it about these prophets? They stood true, they stood strong, no matter what pressure they had to face, and no matter how difficult a time they had gone through, they never gave up the faith. Why? Whereas there were others, they went up, even David, and then they fell. And God had to restore them. But the prophets didn't. Let me tell you why. It is the word, the word, the word. Anytime you slip away from the word and become a victim of your flesh word, your soul word, your fragment of imagination, not only are you leading yourself, others as well. So dangerous. Not simply the prophets of old, but even the apostles of old spoke the word. 
And they understood how important it is that the word comes to us. We listen, and every word must be tested, or the uh, spirit and everything else must be in the word of God. Even as I speak, there's so many words around. The voice of Satan, the voice of self, the voice of flesh, the voice of the world, the voice of corruption, the word of politician, the word of business, the word of everything else. But in the midst of all of this, we must be attuned to the words of our Lord as he speaks to us. And I will talk about the Spirit of God speaking to us. He that has ears, let him hear. And then goes on to say, he that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, individual and collectively as a whole. I want us to realize one most important thing that we come across is how then should we value the Word? When you think about the parables and the stories that the Lord Jesus craved and the principles, he gave a very important passage in Matthew chapter 13, verse 16 and verse 17. He talks about this, the things that you hear and the things that you see would have been something that the old people of old would want to have seen and heard, but they did not. They did not see what you see. They did not hear what they heard. Hold it. They seen great things. The Old Testament. Sometimes we look to the past and we always look at the grandeur of the past. Those were the best of days. And then we look beyond and make that a grandeur. They're going to be the best of days. But what about today? Oh, you know what? It's, it's just dull days. Are you kidding? The greatest of all days is today. When you think about the law was given by Moses, let's, let's go back. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things made by Him, nothing made without Him being made, all things. And we find then, goes on to say, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Then in verse 16, the fullness of His grace, the riches of His grace, grace upon grace. Can you believe that? That was not there in the Old Testament. Again, John chapter 1 and verse 17, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth comes through the Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to understand how powerful truth that we live on. The Old Testament had what was the paraphernalia, all of the rudiments that we say worship. Oh, it is something very colorful, like the Christmas lights. They had all of the brightness and the red colors and everything, including the priest and his gear and the temple. They were basically amazingly beautiful. Just once a year, the priest did go into an innermost sanctuary or sanctorium, and only he, and only he alone one time in a year on the Day of Atonement, he made what would be in a way, opaque way, that he comes to the presence of God. He sees the, uh, the, the basically fire, and he sees the incense, nothing more. But I want you to realize the Lord Jesus Christ talked about what the Father is seeking. No matter how much it is ritualistic or religiosity, but the Father seeks those that worship him in spirit and in truth. 
It is important that we have excellence in music, excellence in choir, excellence in solo. But all that being said, the father seeks not this particular instrument or this particular soprano, that important, but he seeks in the end, in the ultimate, whether you worship in the spirit and in truth. The Old Testament at ritualism. The Old Testament had a picture, a figure. They had all of the sensor, the perfume. They could smell it. They had things they could taste it. They could see things. But what I want you to know is going beyond what you see. The lights and the colors of Christmas. Going beyond what you hear into the spirit realm of what you, in the spirit of God. Going beyond what you can touch into what would be the spirit touch, touch of faith. Going beyond what you call the taste of Christmas pudding or the black cake from Caribbean. Far beyond that is to taste the Lord. Oh, taste the Lord and see how good he is. So I want you to know what's profoundly, how then do I hear the word of God? which those in the past would have given anything to hear, to see that what we see today. To be sure, we need to wait upon the Lord. Young lad missed it the first time when he heard his name, but Eli the prophet gave him the right direction. Be attentive. So when you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 10, he heard the words, Samuel, Samuel. And in verse 10, he said, speak, Lord, your servant listens. Today, it's so casual. We think the Lord is our waiter. Get me this, a Cadillac, please. Oh, I need a plane. The word is speak, Lord, master, king, Elohim, you are who you are. Speak. For your servant, me, a waiter, listens to you. Speak to me. Not in a command that I command the Lord, but here am I, Lord, aching and wanting to listen to you. Going beyond the natural in our spirit, a sense of humility and a sense of, Lord, it would be such a privilege and a pleasure if you could speak just a word would do. You know, I want you to understand, he doesn't have to speak loud and scream at you. I remember the first time I came to the United States. You didn't just call up home. You had to book a call, trunk call, they call it. And then they call you an hour or three hours later and said, yes, the other party is on the line. And you pick up the phone and say, hey, bro, can you hear me? Yes. How are you? Those are old days. You don't need landline today. You speak, hey, how are you? Before the neighbors down, all the way three doors down can hear today, of your even pet will not hear. You're okay? The other party can hear. God speaks to you in a way that you can hear. He doesn't have to scream. First Kings chapter 7, Chapter 19 and verse 12. The sound of thunder. 
all of the noise, and then the fire. And suddenly, Elijah heard that still, small voice. There's a stillness, and that peace that comes, and his voice and his sound speaks peace to our hearts. I want to realize, my friend, that Elijah had a sense of not only knowing, but he had the sound long before he could hear in the natural. It was really the worst of the worst of times. There was no rain. It was totally, completely barren. There were no crops. People were dying. And there was what would be a total, total disaster, a failure of crops. It was literally what would be a terrible crisis. In the midst of all of this, Elijah goes to pray, and seven times, almost like giving birth, he falls on the ground face and kneels to the earth. And then he sends the servants to look if there's a cloud. Six times, no cloud. But the seventh time, he said, ah, there appears to be a little cloud the size of an ant. And, but that's all Elijah needed. The seventh time, he goes to pray, he gets up. And there in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 41, he says to Ahab, go fast, as fast as your chariot can take you, for I hear the sound of abundance of rain. There was not even a wind, not even leaf moving. But here is this man, beyond the natural, he could hear the sound of abundance of rain. Run as fast as you can. Take your chances as fast as you can. The place is going to be flooded. Are you kidding me? But here's a man who learned to deeply hear the voice of God beyond the natural, beyond the soul, and to be able to hear in the spirit. So welcome to the sound of Christmas, but I'm going to say go beyond and listen to the sound of Christ before he comes the second time. Listen to the sound of the trumpets, the last trump. Listen to the sound of the horses and the hoofbeats in heaven. Listen to the chariots and listen to the horses and listen to the angelic being with their wind of the wings. Listen carefully to the roar of that white stallion. And the one that comes, the trumpet will blow. That we're not talking about a little child born in a manger as the first coming. It is the second coming of Jesus. The early people missed out on the sound of Christmas, but for a few. And we're going to see the same thing before he comes the second time. I want you to realize, my friend, we must go away from natural. We need that. The five senses are given to us, and that's how we relate to be world conscious. Or in our mind or in our eyes of understanding, we are learned to be soul conscious. But there's far greater that is the ultimate. It is to be spirit conscious or God conscious or conscious through the Holy Spirit. He that has years to hear, 
Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I want to realize, my friend, when you go into 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 15, here are three army getting together, and they are coming to a place totally dead, dry, and nothing. No water for their cattle. You're talking about thousands and thousands, 50,000 plus people, and soldiers and horses. And they were in a ditch. They were right there in the middle of nothing else. They would die. One of the King Jehoshaphat said, is there a prophet that would speak to us? In the olden days, you need a prophet. Let's just, let me just say this. The Old Testament prophets are a different animal compared to the New Testament. The Old Testament prophets spoke and they directed you. But the New Testament prophet cannot direct you. Here's the New Testament prophet and say, you need to marry so-and-so person. Tell him, go home, pack up your girl, go home and study the Bible. The Old Testament was seers, they directed people. The Spirit of God was not on people. It's on that one person. Spirit comes and goes and speaks to that person. But today the Spirit of God is upon all that call upon the Lord. And you need to hear your vo the voice of God. My friend, if you haven't heard the voice of God, it simply means you're not in communication with Him. God will not use someone if you are hearing from him. I had to write to a friend who is a businessman, and he has a large business, but he began to follow directions of people. In the end, others have the money, and he's losing money. I told him, listen, you've got to hear from God. No, no, these are people are directing. I said, this is not a psychic network. It is not a spiritual psychic network. They speak in tongues and read psalms. You need to hear from God. And the prophet of today will confirm what he has spoken to you and your wife, and then you move on. Direction is the Old Testament, but the way it does is confirm what God has already spoken to you. If you haven't heard the voice of God, something is wrong with you. You need to listen to the Lord because he's your shepherd. He's your God. He loves you, and he loves you just as much as he loves everyone that is directing you. So I want you to realize in the Old Testament, of course, they go to the seer, and he tells them a strange thing. In chapter 3 of 2 Kings and verse 15, bring me a minstrel, someone that sings and plays an instrument. And while the, the music was going on, suddenly the prophet Elisha said, go dig valleys. Excuse me? What are you talking about? That's all we have. Dig, dig, dig. He says, we're going to waste our last breath digging, so you want to bury us down here? He says, no, dig holes in this valley. What this man heard was the sound of abundance rain, not death. I'm speaking to you today. What you're hearing is, this is it, I'm dying. This is it, my business is going down. This is it, my family is breaking down. This is it, what I see is war and we're going into a difficult time. That is true. That is the fact. But what you need to know is from the world of the visible into the world of invisible. Listen to what the Spirit says. And he will tell you 
way beyond what your mind, what your eyes, what your ears, what your touch, what your feeling, and what your taste buds will tell you. He is telling you from your spirit man, while the soul speaks from the soul consciousness, and the body, the flesh, speaks from physical. Today, the Christians who want to be in the spirit want words from the physical. So the preacher has to shake and dance. <laughs> Excuse me, my friend. It's in the spirit. Take it for what it's worth. I can jump up and scream and shout and, and, and swing from a chandelier to the other, but in the end, the last time I looked at the mailman, he just handed me a letter. He didn't have to scream. He didn't have to shout. It's for me to receive the letter and to read it for what it's worth. It's not the mailman sending me the letter. It is someone that I love sends me that letter. It is God who loves you, sends a personal letter to you. So if he wants to scream, jump, shout, wear all the fancy clothes, that's impressive. Go ahead if that's what you want. But I want to know what is the word for today. Let my spirit hear what said God. Did you hear what I hear? Said the little lamb to the boy shepherd. Did you hear what I hear? A sound, a sound. Did you know what I know? Did you see what I see? It must be beyond the lights of Christmas and the sound of Christmas and the taste of Christmas and the touch of Christmas and everything to do with the spirit consciousness of the Holy God. I want you to realize when you think about all the word that comes to us, it's important we pause to think and thank God for the marvels of his word. I want you to realize a very important word that you find in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 30 and 21. Listen to what it says here. It says, you will hear a word behind, and he says to the right or to the left, but listen to what God speaks to you. In fact, the writer Isaiah, he had gone to the temple. He had been there to the temple many times, and he has watched all of that ritual and all of that significant what it meant. But this particular day was the worst day of his life. His uncle died, the king, Uzziah died. But while he was there, he saw beyond what he saw in the natural. He saw heaven. He saw God and the angels cry, holy, holy. And he heard. He heard. He's heard the preacher many times. He's heard the prophets many times and he himself is one. But that day he heard the voice of God. Chapter 6 and verse 8 of the book of Isaiah. Who will go? He heard it distinctly. And he said, in honey, here am I, Lord. I will go. A prophet was made. Not by the words of man. Not by the words of circumstances. Not by the words because of he felt afraid. And then he heard something. He heard that he heard. In his spirit, God speaking to him, asking him, who will go? And then he answered the Lord and said, send me, I will go. Have you heard the sound? The sound of Christmas. There were many in that time, but very few heard. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, 
Simeon, Anna. But the vast majority, even the priests, the Sadducees, the scribes, they had the word. But the word didn't go beyond their head into the heart with the spirit they could see. I want you to realize, my friend, a very important aspect when you look into this word. Acts chapter 28, there's literally a shipwreck. But in verse 10, Paul could understand and perceive by what he saw and what he could fathom. And in verse 10 of chapter 27, he said to the centurion, you should not go. For I perceive lives would be lost. How did he come to this calculation? From what he saw, from what he heard, and from what he could sense a perception. That is of the flesh. You need that. You could see the storm. You could hear the sound of the storm. And from perception with what was the soul. He made a calculation Centurion, don't go. Many lives would be lost. I can sense that. The natural man says that. The meteorologist says that with complicated missions today. The olden days, a man that was walking in the soul could say that without all that complicated mission. There's going to be a rain today. There's going to be a storm tomorrow. There's going to be sunshine tomorrow. Without all of this. But it is an outcome and the inventions that we have is from the windows of our soul. But I want you to realize, when they were halfway, this centurion, rather than listening to Paul, would rather have listened. Of course, the captain had the qualification. And naturally, the natural man does not understand spiritual, so he understands the natural. This man is the captain. And the centurion said, we would go and discard it. Paul. Halfway through, they were going through struggles after struggles after struggles. And they were casting off everything now to save their lives. Now they despaired of their life. They threw the food that they had. They threw everything so the weight would be less. They were worried. They were troubled. And then in verse 24 of Acts chapter 27, he said, fear not. Who? Paul said, for there was one that stood with me and said, don't be afraid. No lives will be lost. And in verse 25, he said, I know who I'm heard and I trust what I heard. What is it that you hear? We are going through very difficult situation today. COVID was no one you can blame. You can say, okay, Wuhan, you want to say, fine. But what we're going through is troubled times. We've done this before and over and over again. Whether it is Vietnam, or whether it is Iraq, or whether it is Afghanistan, or whether it was El Salvador, thousands of lives have been lost. Profits were made. Our soldiers died too. But in the end, we left behind a trail of blood and killings. It is intentional, not like COVID, 
what you're going to see is this Acts chapter 27 played out. We'll be pulling in all the stops and throwing off all the backs just to stay afloat. It is going to come to bite us. People say, you don't understand, Ukraine is a hero. He's, a, he's a, what would be called the Englishman, Winston Churchill. Are you kidding me? That's how the Hitlers are made. I'm going to tell you very frankly, we have no business in all these places. If Colorado was seceding and Russia supported that place, that is treason. Why is he supporting? That's exactly what is their war. We have nothing to do with it. But we jump into it. But the end, it is going to turn back to bite us. I speak to a word in the midst of all of this. For us as Christians, we need to pray for our leaders, Democrats or Republicans, war after war. And it's coming to bite us. But I'm going to say, God give grace and God keep us from harm and danger. And the repercussions financially, repercussions in terms of a nation that would be divided, it has held no good. The voice of those that dying all over the Middle East, all over the Spanish world, and now going into Europe, I'm going to say this, this is tumultuous time. You talk about COVID, we are just coming out of it. But talk about this one, we are actually borrowing somebody else's money to wage a war, that's not our business. Acts chapter 27, we will be in turmoil as that ship. In the wavering and tossing of all that we have, I'm just going to say this, my friend, China will overtake us. America will lose its balance, not because of anything else, we have plundered. We've done it so long. I pray that you would hear the voice of God that fear not, trust God, walk in the will of God, in the, bit, in the midst of all that will happen, keep your eyes upon God. We don't know what happens in 2023, but I would tell you what happens to you and to me. We are in God's hand. He guides us. He helps us. We need to trust God. But we've got a duty to do as we do, to pray for our leaders and to stand with our leaders. We also have a duty to do, while we still have breath, we need to tell people that Christ was born on Christmas Day, but Christ is not coming back as a child. He's coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's not coming to save this time. He's coming to judge those that are dead and those that are alive. Before it's too late, open your heart to receive Jesus. He is not for one person. He is for people across the world. Trust him. Believe him. Because we're living in tumultuous time. You need the Lord. I need the Lord. And happy Merry Christmas. And may we say, come Lord Jesus, we're waiting for you when you come the second time. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the word of the Lord. To learn more, please visit our website, highlandny.org, or our Facebook page, Highland Church, New York. Until next time, may God richly bless you.